everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again, the cool jazz sounds, if you will, of the Barney Miller theme. David Cohen here, Douglas Viviani with David Cohen, the gumshoe himself. Why are we uh, Why are you playing that theme, David? Well, as many of our listeners might know, that's a theme to uh, Barney Miller, and we're so honored to have with us uh, Barney Miller himself, Mr. Hal Linden, um, whose career, believe it or not, Doug, yes. started in 1950 when Hal was a big band musician and singer after he served uh, in the Army during the Korean War. And he began a Broadway career winning Best Actor Tony Award for his portrayal of uh, Mayor Rothschild, or Meyer Rothschild in the musical The Rothschilds. And of course, 1974, he made the move to television where uh, he started. Started, uh, the whole Barney Miller phenomenon of which uh, you and I were, were big fans. Um, and and uh, Hal was uh, nominated for seven Emmy, three Golden Globe Awards. And um, so we welcome, we're very honored to have uh, Mr. Hal Linden Wait with us. Wait a minute, there's more. Since the end of Barney Miller in 82, he continued his career in films and television, including roles but in these shows, but not limited to these shows of like Touched by an Angel, uh, The Nanny, Drew Carey Show, Law and Order, Will and Grace, King of Queen. The Mindy Project 2 broke girls as the American housewife. David, what do you think of this? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> pretty impressive. Uh, we're not only that, we're going to have some fun with uh, Hal Linden. Thank you, Mr. Linden, for joining us on Everything Old is New Again. Uh, you know, that's my ringtone. <laughs> on, on my telephone is the Barney Miller theme. How about that? Just in, wow. Yes. Keep, keeping it alive and but well. You did, the whole, you did my whole career. I'm ready to leave now. The <laughs> yeah, problem is we only have like five more minutes left of the show, so no kidding. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, and also, we're excited. We're going to talk about the Samuel Project, which is something that you're uh, you know, uh, involved in now. It looks like a, a poignant and menu, uh, meaningful film that's coming out shortly. And uh, But first, I, I just want to let you know that you know certainly our audience on Everything Old is New Again, where we celebrate the past and introduce it to the uh, those uh, who haven't experienced it. And, and, uh, you know, Barney Miller and, and this Danny Arnold that created it, uh, uh, who, um, well, you know, he wrote for Martin Lewis, believe it or not, if anybody remembers the the caddy and Bewitched and that girl. I mean, this was a uh, uh, this was to me a groundbreaking show. And uh, and when you were presented with this project, uh, did you have any idea that where the, the the show would go? I know there were two pilots, but after the second pilot and it was picked up, did you feel that this was going to be an eight year show, or where did you feel what did you feel about the project in the beginning? In the theater, <laughs> I, I did um, something like 20 Broadway and off-Broadway plays, and I never went to an opening night party to good reviews. <laughs> so one does not, uh, uh, you, you get a job, it's as long as the job lasts. Uh, so I, I never had any imagine, uh, never imagined that it would last uh, eight years. Uh, 
and certainly that it would be the uh, kind of iconic uh, uh, collection that that it ended up being. And yeah. I, I think some of the reason for that is is the writing of the show. Certainly, there was. Oh no! Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> All of the reason. Oh, well. All of the reason for that is the writing of the show. Uh, this was not a show where where we came in and ad libbed lines and came up with funny lines. This was a uh, every script was was tailored specifically uh, to to the story, and we uh, it was all the writing. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I would I just would just add a modicum of a statement to that that it, certainly if it was not presented or, or by the actors properly, well, that, uh, that, that, that's always the case. But but. Uh, uh, I, I've seen you know shows with great casts that uh, died because uh, it didn't have the writing, and I've seen shows with presentable casts that that worked because it did because it had the writing. I'm afraid that's the uh, uh, that that's what counts. Absolutely. I, if you don't mind, I'm going to play a very short clip uh, just to give a piece of uh, feeling for uh, the character that you portrayed and the smart writing that uh, that, that uh, entailed. Just give me two if seconds. If somebody came up to you and said, um, how many poles does it take to make popcorn? You wouldn't appreciate that, would you? No. And I can understand that. But I could never feel what you're feeling because I'm not Polish. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I can understand it, but that's as close as I can get. Now, certainly there's more to that, and I, and it, and I, I apologize. It's, it's too short a clip to, to give that real justice, because uh, there's a great punchline to that as well, right, uh, if you remember that. But it did go a long way to show the way your presentation and of the writing of, you know, uh, that was uh, talking about bigotry and, and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and how it affects each of us uh, differently. And, and uh, you know, it, it was just done so smartly and so well. It's just one example of, I think, what you, you achieved in, a, uh, in that show. You know where they got their 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 ideas for uh, for scripts? They would sit around and read the newspaper. See that? And so all they had to do was read the newspaper, and 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 a storyline would come flying out of the newspaper because it was today. It was about life. It was about what we were living. Uh, almost every story <laughs> that came out of out of the morning newspaper. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how. Yeah, it did, and it did. Tra- I think it did translate that way because it was a very realistic show. In that, I have a cousin that's a police officer, and we've I've talked to him about this. And and your show, especially, uh, you know, it was a little ways in the past, and so it was one of these uh, the first. I would say that was very realistic in its presentation of a detective's room in a precinct. In that uh, there wasn't always uh, shoot 'em ups, and there wasn't always uh, all this action going on. You know. Joe Joe Wombo said, and Joe Wombo should know. Uh, Joe Wombo said it was the most realistic police show. Not only the best, but the most realistic. Now think about that—a comedy show being the most realistic. Right. And um, uh, Danny was the one who Danny Arnold, who created it, was the one who set the set the the parameters for all of us. Because, you know, we would come up with pretty funny actors and come up in rehearsal and say, here's a funny bit we can do. And then he would, would uh, say, here was, the, here was the, 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 the limitation. He said to all of us, now these were the, the cops 
of the 12th Precinct. He said, would you go to a police officer for help who behaves like that? We had to be real cops who could do our jobs uh, sensitively. Uh, now, the the people who came in and, and, and uh, the perps and the, and the uh, complainants, they could be as nutty as they could be. But the cops, we had to be real. We had to be believable, plausible. And that was the, those were the limitations that Danny set. And how? What, what was it that attracted you to the Barney Miller show? Was that one of the components that made it, you know, compelling enough for you to to sort of stop well, act, Broadway actually, for a while? Um, it, it was very actually it was a very personal reason. Uh, I had um, I had a lot of quite honestly a lot of uh, offers that year. Uh, because I had just come off winning uh, the Tony on Broadway, and, and Hollywood kind of discovered me and was looking to, to to use me. So I, I had a lot of offers. Uh, Danny's show was the only sitcom which, which um, shot in front of an audience, hmm. and I figured my experience was in front of an audience. So I thought I would be best served by being in front of an audience, and that's why I selected Barney. Uh, it turned out to be, uh, I'm, I, I, I was totally wrong. Uh, because uh, when you film, the audience is in the camera, not in the people sitting watching you. The audience is the camera. And I had to kind of learn that uh, on my feet. How about that? Uh, so I, it was a strange reason for picking Barney, but I... Uh, I picked it for that reason. Hmm. It was also, I think, you know, well-written. You know, I wouldn't have selected it if I didn't like the material, but it was kind of wonderful material right off the bat. And speaking of well-written, we're going to be back right after this and everything old is new again and talk to Mr. Howe Linden about the Samuel Project uh, starring himself and Disney star Ryan Ochoa, who will uh, premiere. It's going to premiere on April 28th. The red carpet begins at 6.30, the film at 7. So if you're around uh, town in Los Angeles, you want to get some tickets, go to lajfilmfest.org, lajfilmfest.org. Premiere is April 28th. We'll be back right after this on everything old is new again. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hi, this is Alan Alda, and you're listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Mm, It feels indecent. You've been trying to do something indecent for six months now. A new life. There we go. This is Everything Old is New Again with uh, David Cohen, Douglas Viviani. We're happy to uh, welcome Barney Miller himself, Hal Linden, to, uh, to the did microphone. You, did you bring Alan in to just, just to do that introduction? Uh, he he actually was a guest. I was going to mention that on our show for an hour. Uh, and he, yeah. he did that nice introduction for us. And we <laughs> I, I did a little research and found out that certainly you were in that movie that he wrote and directed. Was he, uh, this is a, kind of a trick question, but... We was, also appeared on Broadway together. Oh, Oh, I didn't realize that. And what was that? Yes, in the Apple Tree, the uh, musical by Harnick and Bach in nineteen sixty something, sixty seven. I think it was uh, a wonderful musical. It wasn't a big hit, 
but Alan played uh, Adam, uh, as in Adam and Eve, right. and I played the um, the devil, the snake. Oh wow! If you go back in time, I could see that. That w- that looks like <laughs> yes. uh, that would be great. Uh, was he as pleasant and thoughtful and professional as uh, we found him to be? I mean, uh, Alan. Alan else? is Alan. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Here's it. We were on Broadway together. Now I lived. The Brother Theater was on Fifty Second Street, I believe, and we. I lived on hundred and first. So, on a two day, two show day, in between. Uh, I would go out and have some dinner or something and then come back, lie down, take a rest, and go where... And again, I was 50 blocks from where I lived. Alan lived in, I believe it was Clifton, New Jersey. And he would get in his little Volkswagen and go up across the George Washington Bridge to Clifton, New Jersey, so he could have... Uh, dinner with his family, wow. and come right back and do the second show. That's amazing. That was the difference. That was yes. I always was totally amazed by that. That's the kind of guy I am. Hmm. How about that? So I'm glad I played that to yeah. kind of show off a little bit to you, but uh, <laughs> it brought out a, <laughs> brought out a great memory. Uh, let's just listen to a small clip of a little coming attraction or a tr- bit of the trailer of the Samuel Project, just to introduce the audience to this uh, project. What am I supposed to say? Well, he's your grandfather. Just talk to him. It'll be fine. You like it. Little doodling, huh? Make a living doing that. Depends on how good a doodler you are. <laughs> We have to find something historic that intrigues us. And to me, that's you. You want to tell the story of an old dry cleaner? Well, I do remember. I don't want to remember. I'm done remembering. What was it like back then? Different. Do you know anything about the war? What happened? So that's a little piece of it. It's not uh, the entire yeah. trailer, but it gives us a little flavor for the idea that a teen is uh, is kind of reintroducing himself uh, or vice versa to his grandfather for this school project and talking about the grandfather's past. And uh, well, I think it seems to be uh, right up our alley. What do you think? Well, basically, yeah, you picked a... Um, you really... Uh, Pointed out what the what the picture is about. It's it's about three generations: grandfather, father, and a, and a son. Uh, I play the son, by the way. Not the <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> uh, and um, as most generations, there's a kind of a communication gap between them. The father is a, a real estate salesman who's busting his butt trying to make sales and. Sitting with open houses and stuff like that, he doesn't have time for the kid. The grandfather has his own dry cleaning business where he he does all the work. It's just two of them in a shop, uh, and he you know once a month he sees the son, has to see the grandson. They don't talk. There's no communication um, <clears throat> until the boy gets a project where he has to tell a story that's historical, and he. Zones in on his grandfather's story. Grandfather, a survivor of uh, World War II from Germany, uh, a Holocaust survivor, if you will. And most Holocaust survivors really don't want to talk about it. You know, it's uh, painful, and as he says in the, in that clip. Uh, I don't remember too much. What I do remember, I don't want to remember. So um, he has to kind of get the story out of Grandpa. And what 
to do this art project because he's an artist. So the uh, paint, uh, drawing, uh, uh, animation, whatever uh, he puts together for the project. See, and that's the and th- what yes. what 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 comes out is that even though they don't communicate, it's art that brings them together. That art can be more eloquent than words very often. And basically, that's what the picture is about, about the boy doing the project about his grandfather. And that's the unique part about it is the art. He's, a, he's an illustrator, this uh, this grandson, and I think that's a different take on this kind of a story. And further, uh, just to let you know, I mean, everything old is new again. We kind of say it in our title, but we uh, respect and, and uh, appreciate the entertainment of today, but we recognize that it has a foundation in the past, and this story truly represents that in that the art, the life, the lessons that are experienced between grandfather, uh, grandfather and grandson um, represent pretty much what we're talking about. That everything old is new again, and and I, I think uh, we'll see in this in this project that the grandfather is uh, might teach a lesson uh, to the son and uh, the grandson, and vice versa. No, it isn't only teaching uh, that that. Uh, the grandfather teaches the lesson. It's the doing of the project right. that teaches the lesson. That uh, uh, the boy is uh, is a, wants to draw. He draws, but he's into uh, fantasy drawing and monsters and whatnot. And he's and it isn't until he gets the project that he that you, you see him do the research and and learning about. Uh, uh, what happened? Not only as the grandfather says to him, "Do you know anything about?" Right. World War Two, uh, probably very little, and having to do the project is what illuminates his world, and and you see even the style of his drawing changes becomes um, he's not just doing uh, fantasy stuff anymore. Now he's doing real stuff. Uh, art and education come together. And uh, that's basically what the picture's about. Right, and that that certainly is an important uh, uh, element that we would hope uh, that exists in the high schools today. And, uh, David, you wanted to say something about where where Mr. Linden went to high school? Oh, yeah, you know, I just saw an interesting fact, how the high school you went to eventually merged into LaGuardia High School, uh, which is the, the fame high school I think people would know it as. Um, and my son graduated there from there last year. So, oh, really? Just made the personal uh, connection there. It was very interesting. The, the best uh, educational experience that I had. Really? Uh, yes, I went to two colleges after that, and not nearly uh, didn't learn nearly as much as I did at the High School of Music and Art. Wow. Uh, Yes, and the education uh, in the arts then certainly is something uh, that we would say would would be uh, the foundation of, of what you what you've done. You must have known uh, back then that this is. I think in the beginning you wanted to be a band leader, correct, and a singer. You bet, you bet. Hal Linden and his uh, and his orchestra. I got to, I got cards printed up. <laughs> wow, that's official then. That's like oh, a website yeah. oh, in yeah. today's world. That's like a website, right? If just think about it. I was going to, I was going to, that, that was my future. And I was good at it. I was very good at it. I, I, I was a professional musician for, for some 13 years before I slid over into the theater. So it wasn't, uh, 
you know, just a couple of years. Um, and uh, but music changed on me. <laughs> the, when I, I went into the army in 1952 in the Korean War, and uh, at that time there was. Uh, Stan Kenton, Woody Herman, Count Basie, Duke, you name it, there was a height of the big band era. It was mm-hmm. the, the best. Uh, when I came out of the army, they were all disbanded, mm-hmm. all gone. It was now Bill Haley and the Comets. So, so rock, and, ro- rock the, and roll wasn't your thing? The beginning of rock and roll. Right. And uh, that's one of the things that propelled me out of the business uh, I was good at <laughs> at the music I knew I was not very good at rock and roll so <laughs> yeah. that's when I slid over into the theater and, and uh, made a career there and that's certainly something where uh, on our side we appreciate that it did happen uh, but maybe that was a dream lost but then again after Barney Miller and we'll talk about this in our next session uh, that you, you did you know go back to uh, performing music on stage and we'll get to that uh, right after this on Everything Old is New Again okay. I just want to remind everybody that uh, certainly you're starring in the Samuel Project and it's premiering again on April 28th the red carpet begins at 6.30 that would be cool to, to be uh, there to see that, and and certainly to, the film is at at, at seven, and it's going to be at the thirteenth annual Los Angeles Jewish Film Festival. You can get tickets at l a l a j film fest dot org l a j filmfest dot org by the way after the movie is going to be seen there'll be a question and answer session with Hal Linden uh, so if there's still some questions after this interview you have an opportunity then uh, we'll be back right after this and everything goes new again now back to America's entertainment pop culture talk show everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Now, we all know Hal Linden is a great comedy actor. Yes, and we all know that Hal Linden is a terrific musical comedy star. Did you also know that Hal Linden is quitting this show and going home? Oh, and the Saints go marching in. Oh, and the Saints go marching in. I want to be in that number when the Saints go we go. We're back and everything old is new again. Listening to a little jazz clarinet there and some singing by uh, Barney Miller himself, uh, Hal Linden. I'm here, of course, with uh, David Cohen. Uh, Mr. Linden, I don't know if you would have expected to hear that clip, but it does uh, present us and introduce us to another world that you were in. What show is that from, Ike? <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet Show back in the 70s. How about oh, that? The Muppet. Oh, that's right. The Muppets. <laughs> oh, yes. And they, they, there you go. They did use your skills on the clarinet. That was yes. you we heard playing in that yes. clip, correct? I'll, t- I'll give you an interesting story about that, too. Uh, and I didn't realize. That was the first time I realized what had to be done. Um, you um, pre-record, you know, when you do musical numbers on television they're all you pre-recorded in a in a studio so that you have good balance and everything but then you have to play it on camera so that means you have to play exactly what you recorded and when you play jazz who remembers what you know it's right. not, i went crazy trying to remember because if i if the fingers didn't match what i was playing it wouldn't look like Alan was playing it. Any client I could have played, could have played it. You know what I mean? Yes. So uh, I had to match exactly what I 
what jazz I played on the recording. Not easy. Not easy. And uh, I don't know if everyone... See, that's the perfectionist in you that got you to the position that you are in, I, I would suggest, in that uh, I don't know that everyone watching would have, have acknowledged that, but now they see that. You're going to make me go back and watch that clip again because of what you just said. Um, and, and talking about jazz, uh, we've talked to uh, Peter Weller, who's, who's you know from RoboCop and some other shows, and, mm-hmm. and he's involved in, in jazz, loves jazz. He plays out uh, when he can. And uh, you've played out quite a bit, uh, for me to stand... I wonder, are you still doing that now on the clarinet every so often in a club? Or so, or? Every so often. Well, I, I, I do have a, a concert act that I do in which I, I, there's a, a big section of clarinet. Uh, and I've also uh, appeared with the, uh, most of the major symphonies, uh, and I always do a movement of the Mozart clarinet concerto, just since I got a symphony hanging around, why waste it? So I do a, a, a movement of the Mozart Oh, that's great uh, stuff. I, I, it's been a while. I'm, <laughs> I have a little difficulty getting back into shape to do that again. But I still do jazz, yes. And, and we know that you certainly you performed and sang on Broadway. And I just wanted to ask you, we've done a show, a couple of shows about Broadway. And the, you know, you see now that there's uh, this new Frozen just opened up on Broadway, if you're familiar. Uh, yeah. You know, filmed, turned into a play. And, and we're seeing, I would say, I don't know the numbers, but it's almost like half of the shows on Broadway were movies first and then become plays and you're a real uh, person really has a great experience on broadway and really has a foundation in 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 both but i would say more or less in in the style of broadway where a play is written for the stage do you prefer one or the other what do you think of this trend am i i'm not really Uh, it's 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 not totally a new trend uh many uh certainly many plays were turned into musicals in my day in the in the uh what golden age of <laughs> of Broadway? Uh, a, a lot of plays were turned into musicals. Uh, even motion picture. I'm trying to remember if I can remember motion picture turned into a mu- musical. But you now have um, uh, it's a different era in, uh, in on Broadway. Certainly, the advent of, of of Disney on Broadway. They you know they took their whole uh, repertoire, all, all of their old. Um, uh, wonderful movies and made them into uh, Broadway musicals. Uh, so that, that really started it. But Broadway's always, uh, if they, have, uh, they weren't always a re- totally original. Some, a lot of them came from books, came from uh, uh, plays. I Do, I Do was a, a Broadway play uh, called The Four Poster made into a musical. Uh, there were many um, Broadway play, uh, uh, plays that were made into musicals. And I suspect a couple of movies, but I can't really put my finger on one. Right, it it does bring some familiar familiarity. But now, now it's now it's um, because of uh, Disney, and they have all the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, what uh, Lion King and right. Aladdin, and you know, it's easy to go into that kind of. Uh, they've got that uh, uh, library that they can that they can use. And the resources to do it, so it right. gets done. But, but you, do you think is it uh, something that uh, on the actor's side is preferred, or does it not really matter uh, all that much? Just as long as you're you're in a performance, does that make sense? Oh, you start day one with a piece of paper. Right. That's all. Doesn't matter where it came from. <laughs> right. Uh, for an actor, it's all you start day one with a piece of paper. 
and you make it, your choices about who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. The same way, whether it came from a book, a musical, or just somebody's head. Doesn't matter. And, and there are some classics uh, out there, and I'm going to play a short clip of a little bit of a classic of a gentleman that you are familiar with. Don't mind it was only business. I always liked him. He understands that. Tom, can you get me off the hook? Type sake. <laughs> Can't do it, Sally. There we go. Good old uh, fish himself, Abe Pagoda. <laughs> Abe Pagoda. And, and yeah. you know, he, he people, I don't know, if it, we're going back a little bit, but The Godfather came first, and then he That's appeared right. on, on uh, your show. And uh, tell us the experience. He was on for a couple of years, and then they spun him off into his own series for two years. Right. Uh, actually, Abe was came up to, to meet with Danny Arnold, uh, about a different part. Huh. Uh, there was a, 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 an Italian, I can't remember the name of the character at the time, but, uh, it, it uh, preceded uh, uh, Jack Sue, who sat at that desk. It, originally, there was uh, the, 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 the character who sat at that desk had an Italian name, and Abe came up because of the uh, association with the Godfather. He came up to see about that part. Wow. And Danny took one look at him and said, uh, I have a different idea. <laughs> and he created a fish just for, uh, just for Abe because he saw that quality in Abe. And that look, sometimes uh, he would just have that, that look, sourpuss look, look yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I, Danny was obviously a great, um, what? He could spot that talent or spot uh, he, he a character. Could spot, he could spot, uh, yeah, an opportunity. Right. Uh. David? What was it, can you explain how just a, a day on the set of Barney Miller, because you work with such wonderful actors and the writers and the producers, but what, what, Barney, was, what was a day like? I'll, t I'll tell you, Barney it was a, a little different from most other sitcoms. Most sitcoms rehearse three days, on the fourth day, you bring in the cameras and they block it so that everybody knows who's moving where. And on the fifth day, uh, you do two shows, one in front of an audience. And that's the way we started. That's the way we started. But Danny was such a perfectionist that he would, um, uh, he'd be working on the script till the last minute. So very often we would sit down to read and we'd only have half a script because he was working on the second half. Hmm. And they would come down page by page or scene by scene. Um, eventually, in about the fourth or fifth week, uh, we didn't have the ending to the show. And the, so we had to cancel the audience because we couldn't do the show. And if you didn't have an ending, we didn't. Have... Wow. And from there on, we did it without an audience which was very interesting because as I said before, that's one of the reasons I, I joined the show because I thought right. I, I worked, I could work in front of an audience. Um, but we found out that it really helped in what we were talking about before. We weren't now reaching for laughs from an audience. We were now reaching for the truth in the scene. Uh, and that's a different dynamic. So we did it, we would now rehearse uh, two days and start shooting on the third day with the material that we had, like a picture. And we did it 
like a movie, but we did it in order, scene by scene, as it, as the scenes came down to us. But I must say, very often, in the eight years that we did it, we would shoot everything we had, and we still didn't have maybe the last four or five pages. So you would, so we, it would just be scrapped? And we would sit around and wait until Dandy came down with the final scene. We'd read it, stage it, and shoot it, like a picture. But, but sometimes it, it would never... There, there just wouldn't be an ending. And you'd well, we... Not when you began. No, we just waited for it until Danny uh, finalized it. You know, that? but he was uh, he was such a perfectionist that he he wanted it to be exactly right. You know. And we'll be back. With uh, it meant it meant a lot of overtime, a lot right. of <laughs> working late. And but he came but, out. Uh, it, it was worthwhile because it's something that lasts to this day. And we'll be back right after this with how Linda to finish our discussion. We're having a great time talking all things jazz. Barney Miller and the Samuel Project. We'll be right back right after this and continue on that. This is Everything Old Is New Again, America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. With Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Well, it looks like time's running out for us. Yeah, and for the show, too. <laughs> so let's bring back our wonderful guest star, Mr. Hal Linden. It's good to see you. It sure yeah. is. Yeah, tonight's been a disaster. Has it, really? Gee, I thought it was a terrific show. What are you talking about? It was a lot of confusion and chaos, a lot of running around by mindless maniacs. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like everything old is new again. Uh, we're everything old is new again with Hal Linder, Linden. Uh, was, that, was that the uh, Muppet Show? Again? The ever-present Muppet Show. I bet you didn't think when you woke up this morning oh. that you'd be talking about the Muppets so much. You know, that was shot in London. Oh, really? Muppet Show was, yeah, Muppet Show was shot in England. I think a, a certain amount of years were... And we went over just to do that. It was just a wonderful experience. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and it, it introduces us to the idea that we have uh, a limited time, of course, and we're enjoying uh, our, our talks with, um, with with Mr. Hal Linden. The, the question is, you're doing a project now uh, that, uh, or have done a project, it's called the Samuel Project, and uh, we spoke about it a little bit. I just want to play a little bit of a clip here uh, for that uh, part, that project, and and show a little bit more about what the movie's about. This stain has been on this apron for several weeks. And every time I bring it in, you keep charging me for it. You keep bringing it in. You have a story that needs to be told. Oh, yeah. I can tell your story in pictures. Dude, my dad wants me to take over the butcher shop. I just want to play music, man. So Uma was your friend in Germany? More like a guardian angel. Art can unearth stories long buried, so marginalized they were never even told. There we go. So we talked about this a little bit before, but uh, this, I think, movie is interesting in that it's not uh, this action-adventure Avengers business. It's going to talk about people and relationships and have a number of different themes. And I think uh, what's interesting is you've got some hard issues there because you're talking about the Holocaust, but also there's uh, a retention of some humor uh, that goes. Th- it seems to go through the picture through your characters. Is that... That uh, something that happens every so often. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. Uh, we, we set out specifically to do that. It's a um, it's a very little story about just relationships. One of the things we we kind of discovered after we finished it was that there are no villains. There are no villains in the whole story. It's just people trying to make ends meet and trying to get along in life. And they don't have time to do what they really should be spending their time doing. Um, you talk about humor. We 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 look for it. One of the we kind of 
the question whether this was the, going to be the first Holocaust comedy. <laughs> right. Uh, because we tried to keep it as, as light right. and as humorous as possible. And, and you played one, one, one little clip, and uh, you left out the punchline. When I say to the kid, do you know anything about World War Two? He says, yeah, sure, yeah, we beat the Nazis. I, uh, I saw it, Private Ryan. See that? See that? Uh, that part I w- wasn't on the on the trailer. I wish it was. That was okay. Maybe maybe they took it off intentionally. But the right. po- the point is, um, well, you guys should know about it. That's what your show's about. The new, a younger generation did not live through what we lived through, right, right. and and doesn't have that experience. It's not unlike what what you what you heard on the Barney clip about the Polish jokes. I can I can understand them, but not being Polish, I can never live them, and uh, and that's true about you know race relations in America. It's true about intergenerational uh, problems, as we uh, as uh, Samuel Project is about. Uh, so it's it's about. Uh, Bringing the generations together, at least that's what the Samuel Project is about, bringing the generations together, trying to get a a common understanding of history through, through three generations' eyes. Exactly, and that that is sort of the mission statement of, of this show in some ways as well. Um, and, and so I'm glad you, you caught that with with us. But uh, I think there's a little some more. There's, there's more messages in there. I think as I see that there's a the butcher and the dry cleaners' uh, sons and grandsons. They want them to to stay in those grounded professions as opposed to artists and musicians or following their dreams. Is that isn't somewhat that of a, what, Go ahead. Yes. Is, is, isn't isn't that what our generation said? Right. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was a musician from the age of uh, seven or eight, uh, and and I was a, and that's all I ever thought I was going to be was a musician. But when I went to college, <laughs> my parents were very interested that I got a college degree, that I was able, just in case, you know. Uh, How much did they did they pressure you to? Like, were they happy about your decision to become a musician? Well, they had, you know, I was not the first musician in the family. There were, uh, I that helps. I had eight male, male cousins, uh, all of us who studied music. And oh. at one point, five of the eight were professional musicians. Wow. So it was not, it was kind of, you know, like the family business. I see. Uh, and I was the youngest. So I had all, you know, all this uh, history behind me. Um, I don't think they ever wanted me to. My, my we were not uh, taught music to become professional musicians. My father said, "My father was a music lover. He knew nothing about music." He said, "I just want when you go to a concert, you should know what you're hearing. You right. should know something about the music." That's that was his whole idea about giving us music lessons. Uh, of course, my brother spent his entire life as a musician. He was a a world-renowned violist uh, and viola teacher, um, and I spent you know half of my life as a musician. So you, <laughs> the best laid plans, huh? Right. There you go, exactly. <laughs> and, and going talking about the Samuel Project, I mean, I, it, it, the this Rotten Tomatoes website that kind of rate these movies, it's it's got a ninety percent, I'm sorry, ninety-seven percent rating, which is extraordinarily high. So it's getting a, a great early reviews here right off the bat, and. Uh, yeah. 
I would say if you if you're interested, feel free to uh, take a look at, at this at the uh, 13th annual Los Angeles Jewish Film Festival, and, and that again is on April 28th. The red carpet is at 6:30. The film is at seven. Uh, stick around for some question and answer afterwards. Get some t- with Mr. Hal Linden and the filmmakers. Uh, get some tickets at LAJ filmfest.org and I'm sure the film will be released thereafter where we can see it in, in, in theaters uh, thereafter, correct? Hopefully. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm not too sure what the uh, distribution uh, setup is. You know, once you make a picture, you make a picture. You right. go on to the next one. Exactly. But I've got to tell you, uh, as I made the picture, you know, you have it in your head what it's going to look like. I was very very happily surprised when I saw the final product. I, I, it's a, I think it's a little gem. Uh, it's not, you know, again, nobody gets killed and no villains, so uh, it's not going to be the edgy picture of the year, but uh, it's, I think it's a very satisfying picture. Well, here's the thing. With everything old is new again behind you, we know for sure that We'll see it. <laughs> it's all I can yeah. guarantee is the two of us will see it. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and both of our listeners will see it, too. So there's four right there, Hal. Right. No, but I'll tell you, yeah. uh, it is something. Now, a lot of times these, these films, if for some reason it's not released in a wide release, uh, there's a lot of platforms. Just go uh, yeah. to the website. Uh, go Just Google Sam- The Samuel Project, and they've got a website. And you can find this this work uh, of art. And I, I want, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself uh, once it's released. Um, uh, you can buy on YouTube as well, I know that for sure. Uh, so there's many ways to, to see this, and and it's important. It's something that also like we, we like to talk yeah. about. You could share this movie from grandfather to son, just like oh, it's yeah. represented the movie, and you could have a family movie night and learn something, but also have some laughs and have a bonding experience even within the house, if that makes any sense. Right, uh, it certainly does. It is uh, uh, Ryan Ochoa plays. Uh, Eli, my grandson. Ryan is a big a Disney star. And uh, even in the making, even in the making, you saw Ryan from his generation and Hal Linden from his generation coming together, even hmm. in the making, right. and and finding uh, something from uh, that one generation can give to the other generation. There you go. And, and, and I'll tell you something. Um, your career is, is speaks for itself, and, and you've lasted the test of time, and you're still uh, active and b- vibrant at the, all this time. Question is, how have you, if there's any le- words of wisdom, maybe you can present to us as as to have such a successful career, whether it be an actor, performer, or anything uh, that you follow uh, or put your mind to, is there some words of wisdom you might be able to, to lend to us in that regard? <laughs> in a minute. How about that? I'll make it really easy for you. <laughs> uh, quickly, I'll tell you quickly, if i got a minute. Yes. Uh, when I graduated college, uh, I, I, I had to go in the Army. It was uh, the Korean War. So I knew that, so I took a job with a band on the road, went on the road with a band, which meant I left town before graduation so I never picked up my diploma so my mother never believed that I graduated I didn't have a diploma right Mm, right right so I would say yeah I graduated she said okay if you say so (laughs) 50 years later uh, there was an organization that honored ex-New Yorkers in Los Angeles and I was honored one year and in the honoring 
somebody actually must have heard that story and brought me a copy of my diploma. I now had a diploma. By this time, my mother was in her 90s, living in in a retirement home in Orange County. I got in my car the next morning. I drove down specifically. Look, Ma, I see. Here's my... (laughs) My grad, my diploma, and she said, "Good. Now you got something to fall back on." <laughs> there you go. So, so <laughs> that's my that's my lesson for us all: get that education and make sure you go. go the last day to get that piece of paper. Right there, you go. That's it. Okay, Hal Linda, thank you so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. We've had a great time. We had some fun. Uh, hopefully, you have as well. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, to seeing you at on the uh, the big screen in the, in the Samuel Project. Thank Looking you. Hal. It was Next a pleasure. Okay, bye bye. Thank yeah, you guys. Thank bye. you.